Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Parasol Podcast on a Monday. We got to recap USC's first road game of the season. A trip out to the desert. 42-28 victory over Arizona State in Tempe. We're going to talk with the coach, Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com for all of his content. And if you have Questions or comments for the show, you can email us, Pac-12 Podcast. I'm sorry, that's the podcast I just did. Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. Um, not the Pac-12 Podcast, my apologies. And then you could also call or text us at 424-254-9141. If you have the Apple Podcasting app and you would like to leave us a five-star review, follow us over there. That would be great as well. And I want to welcome in the coach, Harvey Hyde, who's here and got a lot of thoughts about this game for the Trojans. Coach, how are you doing today, sir? Oh, I'm always going to do it. You know what I mean? Um, game day is every day. And I uh, just hope I have a winning day. And I hope everyone else out there does. And uh, I know we have a lot to talk about. The first road game of the year. A lot of conversations. A lot of thoughts by all of us. And again, it's just our opinion. But uh, I'm going to try to give you my honest opinion. And Ryan, you always do the same thing. For sure, definitely do that. Um, like I said, USC wins the game 42-28. to It was a one-score game in the fourth quarter. The first time Caleb Williams had to play the entire game. Um, so it was a little closer. In the week four last week, Coach, or last year, you remember USC struggled on the road at Oregon State, got the win. I don't think this Arizona State team is as good. But Kenny Dillingham took over the play-calling duties. It seemed to make a big difference. I thought USC's offense was a little out of sync. Uh, pre-snap where they just didn't look like they were getting in the plays. So this, uh, you know, USC was a huge favorite and, you know, one by 14, but it was closer than a lot of people thought. So I don't know if you were surprised. I was a little surprised the way it went, but I mean, it's called a football game. Sometimes they kind of go that way, but what, what were your thoughts about that? I was very surprised. They were a 35 point favorite coming off of a bye. They ought to be real hungry as far as going on the road for the first time. And, uh, going into a great atmosphere, football atmosphere. Now they're going to have to go to Oregon. That's going to be a little bit like that, and also Notre Dame. So you got to be ready to play in those type of hostile environments. And I don't think they were ready to play. I, I, I don't think they played a good game. I don't think they coached a good game. Uh, I think that they were never in sync. Uh, I didn't think that Caleb Williams looked happy at all during the game. Defensively, I didn't think they played well or tackled well. I mean, I'd like to say something good. And I think the main good thing I could say or great thing I could say is the way Floyd ran the football. I think he's a great running back. And, you know, they're talking about why I didn't do it more, but I kept tweeting out during the game, why not take advantage of what they're doing rather than just trying to throw uh, the ball around and do different things, uh, uh, you know, just put the puzzle together. I mean, if this fit, uh, piece fits in that uh, area, put it together. Don't take one piece and try to force it into something else. You have a second and goal early in the game, and instead of running it in when you're going to need that type of 
running game later in the year against some of these opponents, you don't do that. You throw the ball. So, you know, I'm trying to still figure it out myself. I know that uh, Lincoln Riley wasn't happy about it. But, you know, you've got to do these adjustments and get your team ready for these type of teams because Arizona State, they they had played the uh, they had played teams that only won two games. Arizona State are, are really, when you look at all five or four of their non-conference games, they've won two games. I mean, two games. Arizona State's only win is over Southern Utah. So, and Fresno State beats them 29 to zip the week before. You would think, and they have all these injuries, that you should be able to go in there and dominate if you're that type of football team that gets ready to play with a week off, everybody's healthy more or less, and should be hungry to hit somebody. No, I yeah, they, I think it's one of those things where you feel like the fans were excited to get back to football. You had the early bye week, but it almost like the team looked rusty, like they weren't weren't ready to get back into this college football world and and be able to uh, put something together. You know, I felt like they learned lessons last year at Oregon State on how to play on the road, but it seemed like you had to kind of relearn them because it looked almost the same of what we saw when they were up in Corvallis. Well, yeah, I, you know, I think this team somewhat is pampered, okay? You know, like uh, some of the news things that happened and so on. And I mean, these guys are men, and uh, they want to be treated like men, so act like men. And, uh, you know, you start watching your commercials every day and all the other things that you read about yourself and how good you are. Well, then prove it to people that you deserve that and more. And I'm not sure if they're hungry enough to really do that. And I want to see them become a hungry football team and not a team that's trying to keep everybody happy as far as all the rotations and everything else that's going on. But putting your best players on the field and really getting a rhythm going and line up and beat the heck out of somebody if you're that good. Is there, um, there's been, we're going to get some questions about this, like players not being on the field or not. Is there some specific area of rotation you want to see more of or less of as far as getting the best players on the field? Well, yeah, I want to see the best players on the field and get a rhythm and stay in the game. I mean, Lloyd makes one long run and then he comes out of the game. I mean, it's not like, how about the Arizona State back? You think he ran the ball 20 or 30 times in a row? He wasn't needing to come out and take a rest or whatever it is, the transfer from Sacramento State. He wasn't a five-star player and so on. But he was a tough guy that wanted to carry the football, wanted to win. Why not make your guys the same way? And another thing, too, you know, I'm not quite sure how good a shape this football team is in. I mean, uh, Caleb Williams looked like he was huffing and puffing because he hadn't run around that much uh, that he's had to do in the last game. And to me, he looked tired, and he looked flustered, and he didn't look happy. And, uh, you know, uh, you've got to have a relationship there going on. Interesting. Um, yeah, I didn't really notice that as much. That's, there was certainly a lot of talk about how, uh, you know, the, how good a shape that this team was in. Um, but you felt like they, they looked a little tired out there outside of Caleb Williams? Well, yeah, I mean, what I mean by that, not, you know, the offensive line's more or less staying intact and so on, but you do a lot of rotating. And it really, it's hard to call a play and get the right people in the game and people running in and out and all the hand signals that are going on, the changing of the hand signals and the rotations on defense, so many different players playing. 
I mean, you got to play yourself in the shape. Get your best players on the field. Let them play. I could, I could probably tell you who the best players are by just watching the game. I could tell you that, you know, some of these players are great players a long time ago when I watched Lloyd on, on the South Carolina film when he transferred to USC. Did it take me this long to figure out that he's the best back? I, I don't know. I mean, I want to play my best players every down if I can. Not that the other guys aren't great players, but there's some better than others. There's some better receivers than others. There's some better tackles than others. I mean, uh, you've got to get a feeling of pride within that 11 group or 12 group or 13 group that you rotate. And the same thing on, on the defensive side of the football. When you look at the defense play, this is my opinion, people. doesn't look like it's all together. doesn't look it's 11 players playing at the same rhythm. looks like they're trying to get lined up. Over here, over here, putting their hands up. Move over here, move over here. I got this guy, I got that guy. I mean... Really? I mean, what happened to Lee, the linebacker, who made 10 tackles in that one game? Did he play one play the other day? I don't even know if he played a play, and all of a sudden, he doesn't even play again. I mean, I want to find out, who are the players? Who are the guys that are supposed to be making the players and the tackles and doing the things? I mean, I mean, it seems like it's... Uh, I, I, I just don't know who are their starting players and why don't they play their best players. And I told you before, they're going to test your corners. And these teams are, and you don't think it's going to happen in the future with big receivers on your corners and throwing the ball over the middle of the field and all of those different things. These are the things that teams are evaluating now on USC with other people's films to know what they can do. We uh, saw Kenny Dillingham do a really good job calling plays up at Oregon and uh... – He's, you know, that's his, that's what he's kind of known for. He gets hired to be the head coach for the first time. He's 32 years old, brings in Bo Baldwin as the offensive coordinator. And for the first three games, Bo Baldwin's calling plays. They publicly announced that he's going to be, Kenny Dillingham's going to take over. It looked completely different to me, coach. And it seemed like, you know, USC was a little, it was, it was almost like playing a first game again because you didn't really know what to expect from Arizona State. And they, it just seemed like they were pulling out all the stops. I don't know if they can do that every week. Um, I think it happened like last year when Stanford tried to to go like slow mesh against USC, or maybe that was two years ago. I forget what it was. Um, but yeah, there was. Uh, it definitely looked different to me. Uh, what, what, would it, what did you think about that and how different Arizona State looked from you know last week, the previous week against Fresno State, where it had all those quarterbacks hurt and moving around to Drew Pine knowing the game plan. Kenny Dillingham's calling the plays, and they just look like a much more competent offense. Well, what they try to do is game uh, USC, you know, take advantage of uh, lining up in different formations and and uh, trying to confuse their defense and trying to match them. They can't match them talent-wise. They know their offensive line at Arizona State is not a very good offensive line. I mean, nothing against the kids or anything, really. But, you know, you should be able to dominate that offensive line so you have to be able to keep your defense off balance, the defense you're playing off balance, to be successful. So they had nothing to lose, so they go for it on fourth. And what did they have to lose? Everybody expected them to lose by 35 points. That's what the odds were. So if you keep the game close, all you do is build confidence on your team that you can play with these guys. If they don't kick those two field goals and somehow get touchdowns, they're winning the game. Now, how can it be in that type of situation when you have the number fifth or sixth ranked team in the country playing against a team that only won two games 
the teams they played it only well, they had won one game against Southern Utah, but you know, and, and USC has only won really uh, beat beat teams that have won two games. I mean, they haven't proven themselves to be yet. So it's not hard to get my team ready to play and give them things they haven't seen. They don't even adjust to sometimes things. They, I see it before they see it, and they're on the field. As far as, you know, lining up with that number four tailback and running for a first down or doing whatever he has to do, and they're tackling. I mean, really, they're back down to blocking people down rather than driving like I see him try to teach in practice, strike a blow, drive your legs, and knock somebody down. And again, the secondary is making a lot of tackles, and those are the guys you don't want to make a lot of tackles. They're cover guys, so make them tackle. They don't like it. So, you know, and linebackers, how many tackles? I don't even have a tackle sheet in front of me, and I don't even pay attention to that. But how many tackles do the linebackers make? I don't know. Uh but I never hear their name called or see him much in a play. Maybe they're the third or fourth guy there and jump on top of the pile. But, hell, your linebackers are supposed to get in the holes and plug. I, I saw one play that that they ran through there that the linebacker just overscraped the hole and the guy ran in front of him. So, I mean, I'm, I know I sound like hell, okay? But I'm upset when a football team doesn't play up to its ability. What you're expecting. And, you know, you're sitting with me now. I'm talking in a staff meeting. I'm not just talking to our listeners. I'm, as a head football coach, sitting here talking to my coaches on Sunday morning, telling them, hey, guys, it's not all the kids. Let's go look in the mirror. It has to be part of us. What are we doing that's not really connecting with our football team? And I think you've got to look at that and be able to project that into your players. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. So Eric Jetry actually did lead the team in tackles, even though he didn't play as much as some of the other linebackers. He had nine, and Taka Curtis uh, picked up some late. He ended up moving up. Uh, he had seven tackles. I guess the concerning thing um, was Mason Cobb only had one tackle, and he played a lot of plays in this one. Um, so, yeah, they. I, but I, you're right. It, it didn't seem like they were there. They might have been part of tackles, but they weren't really you know, filling the holes, making the plays. Um, yeah, it's great. Tackle Curtis got two sacks. They were late there. There was a good tackle for loss by Eric Gentry, but I think the very next play is that Scadabo, uh, touchdown and he misses the tackle. And then, you know, uh, Scadabo runs over Max Williams. Both those guys like went low for their legs. He went right over both of them and it went for a long touchdown. So there was, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think the linebackers played great, uh, as a group. And this was, you had Mason Cobb back. And just for him to be that big of a non-factor, I think was a little concerning, um, you know, knowing he's one of the captains on this team. Who do you see flying around on defense? You know, I see who's flying around on defense. Number two heights, Bird, number 51, Muhammad, number 10. I see those guys flying around, trying to make plays, trying to make things happen. I always see their numbers near the ball. That's what I want to see. I want to see people who are who are getting to the football, who are making. And Alexander Paul finally came across the line of scrimmage and disrupted things. He got to do that all the time. I mean, he's got to get going all the time. Those are the type of plays I expect out of those people. These are the people that we brought in or five-star recruits that are supposed to be dominating. I want to see people dominate. I don't want to hear people talk about people. I want to get that young man and tell him, young man, 
you're supposed to be dominating. Let me cut off this one film. Here, here, here do with the three of the plays I want you to play like on every down, okay? And I think you've got to motivate kids and let them know what you expect of them and what abilities they have to do that. Make a highlight film of them. And then uh, don't always be critical like I am currently right now, but I'm flustered that that type of performance on a team that I watched play that I expected a lot of good things out of just didn't happen. And I listened to the post-game, uh, you know, press conferences and so on, and, and everybody, well, we didn't coach well, we didn't play well, we didn't do this. Well, why? Why? You got to play well. Hey, I saw Notre Dame play Ohio State to hell of a football game, but you got some games in front of you, and you're going to that same house. I saw Oregon just destroy, just destroy Colorado. Right now, a lot of people are talking about Washington being one of the top teams in the country. I mean, Utah, you know, holds UCLA to seven points, and they'll probably have uh, Cam Rising back by the time they play Utah. I mean, you better eat some nails, baby. You better not put salt and pepper on your uh, on your on your uh, eggs or whatever. Put some cleats and nails because that's what you're going to need. <laughs> eat some nails. I love that. Um, all right, coach. Well, we have a lot of questions. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to bring up, or you want me to jump in there? We can oh, get some other that topics. Enough? <laughs> I love it. Okay. So why don't we do this? We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll just get into a bunch of questions. So back in a minute. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking to advertise a campaign, short film, a public service announcement, an important message? Look no further than Regency Outdoor. We have been around since 1974 and have the greatest locations in Southern California for your advertising goals. Our creative billboards are sure to catch everyone's attention, make an impact anywhere and everywhere in Southern California. To get started and for more information, call 310-657-8883 or visit regencyoutdoor.com. Regency makes it easier than ever to get your message everywhere in Southern California. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Let me play this voicemail for you, Coach, and get your thoughts. Here you go. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Coach. Hi. It's Don from Chicago. And the game just ended. And I got to tell you, I felt nauseous during most of the game. I mean, if I didn't if I didn't see straight, I thought I saw Clay Hilton on the sidelines there. Stupid penalties. Fumbles. 
horrible tackling. It's like deja vu all over again. Tell me, Coach, how we possibly could beat Colorado or Oregon or Notre Dame or Washington with with Alex Grinch on the sideline coaching our defense and us making these mistakes. Help me out with this one, Coach. What can we do? Stop. Well, I don't make I don't make a lot of money like they do. But you've got to be able to, excuse me, if I cut him off. Did I cut him off, Ryan? No, he, he just said his name. He gave a dramatic pause before saying it was Don from Chicago. Sorry, Don. I apologize for that. I just wanted to run the play as soon as I could. We were running the clock down there. And, uh, you know, we just sort of went over that. Uh, I think you're as uh, embarrassed. Uh, you know, there's games that you win as a football coach or there's uh, people, you get embarrassed over things that you know that you should have done better, and you always remember a, a better way of doing it. Well, I, if as a football coach, I think you, I'd have been embarrassed coaching that game against a team that was inferior to you, and I think that's what we all feel. We feel like a, a team that that is ranked fifth in the country after watching some of the games we watched during the day. I mean, really, when you watch some great football, I was really looking forward to the SC game. You know, you had watched Utah, UCLA, you had watched Ohio State, Notre Dame, you had watched Alabama, you know, and and Mississippi. I mean, you've seen some great games uh, during the day, and then you watch the USC-Arizona State game, and it's like a, a balloon with air coming out of it. It's not gonna. It's not gonna last long. It's gonna pop, and you you're biting your nails again when you should be biting your nails. And I, when I look at my top twelve that that I put together, and I'm gonna release it as I do every Thursday. I mean, can USC beat Georgia? Can they beat Michigan, Texas, Washington, Ohio State, Penn State, Oregon, Florida State, Alabama, Notre Dame, Utah? Can they beat those teams? Can they beat LSU on a good day? How about Oklahoma's undefeated? Can they beat them? Well, you got to look at this. You got to say, I hope so. If they're ranked and they got the players they got, are they at that point uh, where they can really compete for a Pac-12 championship? Not a national championship, which is something you want to win or get to the playoffs, but can they win the Pac-12 playing like that? I don't know. Because it's back to, to me thinking it's more of a stat game on the offensive side of the football and keeping everybody happy rather than taking what they give you and do it until they can't stop you and then everything else works. And on the defensive side, taking the people that are your best players, putting them in a position where they can best perform and letting them play and they'll play and it's your job to decide who the best players are so they build pride in their unit. And it's not a 20-unit team. It's a it's a 11- or 12-unit side of the defense. And if you get an opportunity to get on that unit, you've got that pride, the defensive pride. Right now, man, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on. And they weren't ready to play. I, I, that's my excuse, okay? i got to have an excuse, okay? They weren't prepared. They weren't concentrating. They had illegal procedures. They had all these penalties and so on, but they're not thinking. And they're not putting it together. They're always looking for the big play, which Caleb is willing and able 
to give them. Thank God for that. But ball control is going to kill them. It keeps the offense off the field. And uh, people are going to run at that defense. And you know the teams are going to do that. All right. Uh, thanks for that one, Don. Um, let's see. Let's go to Jack in New Jersey. He was first, he had a question about the tackling uh, for USC. I think you kind of went into that a little bit. But he also wanted to say, uh, I was pretty impressed with both defenses when he was watching uh, Notre Dame and Ohio State. And he said he was somewhat underwhelmed with USC's offense at times. Lloyd, uh, Marshawn Lloyd had a great game running the ball, and he thought Caleb did some great things. But his concern is how well the secondaries look for both the Buckeyes and the Irish, and the number of times Caleb was under pressure or seemed to struggle finding an open receiver. How do you think USC needs to adjust when they play a team like Notre Dame in a few weeks? Jack in New Jersey. Well, if you don't have a running game, <clears throat> it's all over. They're going to tee off and come after you because they don't fear your running game what's at all. But you got to start utilizing that running game and build confidence in your football team. Right now, Marshawn Floyd would like to carry the football every single down. And you know that. He's that type of winner. Uh, he, he loves it. He loves to be physical. He loves to run over people. He loves to get that extra yard. He's He's really something. You've got to utilize the people that surround Caleb Williams. That's what makes him a great player. I mean, I know he's trying to get all the stats and so on, but you're going to get him hurt running around trying to make plays happen. You know, he got sacked a couple of times, and, you know, you might not think it hurts, but it hurts, and uh, and it frustrates him. And then he tries to make plays, and he puts too much pressure on himself. you got to let people help him. Uh, to, to be who he is. And he's got great people surrounding him. And the way you're going to keep the people off of him is a run a draw, like they ran that run draw. And, they, of course, somebody was not in the right gap. Uh, but you can run a draw. You can run some plays to hold down the, uh, the uh, opposition. You can run off tackle. You can come back with jet sweeps and things that hold the backside. There's nothing that holds the backside. Nothing. I mean, they never come back around. They might run a reverse once in a while, but, you know, when a big branch around on an inside uh, type of jet sweep or some things uh, to, to just hold the backside to it, you just can't come charging across the line of scrimmage and forget your responsibility. So these are the little things. I mean, you don't have to pass the ball all the time. You, stats, stats don't win you football games. Domination wins you football games. Balance wins you football games. When people on the defensive side say there's too much we can't stop at all. And uh, then you get the matchups that you want, and you'll be able to do that. Now, you didn't get the home run on the kicking game. And, in fact, Arizona State really teed off on Branch. I mean, two hits down there on the kickoff return, they really hit him. I mean, he woke up. Welcome, we used to say, welcome to Division One football. The way they got that hit on him on the kickoffs, they, he, he got up and said, wow, this is Division One football. This isn't high school anymore. I can't just do what I want. So, you know, these kids adjust as we adjust to life, and you've got to let them, you know, get off the mat and do it again. Do it again. And every play's not going to score a touchdown. But if you run enough plays and you stay on schedule, and you're able to run the football when you need to run the football, and you're able to do the things when you need to do them, you're going to be good. And when you need to stop somebody, when you have to stop them, 
then then you build confidence in yourself that we stopped them before, we'll stop them again. So that's the pride that you build up in the units. All right, Coach, we got another voicemail from our buddy Joan. Uh, here you go. Hi, Ryan and Coach Harvey Hyde. This is a, some comments and some questions for you. This is Joan Levis. I was at the game. It was, I want to say, a huge emotional roller coaster ride. Um, first of all, we won, so that's great. Uh, and uh, we got out of there with a win. Um, but I have a couple of questions. Uh, in the first half, ASU only had 27 yards, uh, most of it coming on that TD after the fumble. And then in the second half, that third and long came back and haunted us again. SC would make two stops, and then the floodgates kind of opened. Um, I just uh, don't get it. <laughs> Could you comment, um, Coach Hyde, on uh, on that and what your thoughts are? And three, and I'll make this quick, I think that the, the uh, linebackers played better with Rayshon Davis in there the last couple of games. And in addition to that, run the ball. It was working. I had opened up the entire offense when they ran the ball. Um, Marshawn Lloyd was getting over 10 yards of carry. It's outrageous. I know I heard the post-presser, and um, Riley said they rode him pretty hard, but gosh, we've got another good back in there in Austin Jones. Run the ball. It'll open up the passing game. Anyway, thanks so much. Fight on. Thank God we won. Thank you. You ought to get a coaching job. You did that. You broke that down pretty quick. You know, when you when you pound somebody, you break the morale. But when they have to tackle guys that run at you, not that they the passing game in in a great uh, way to beat people. But you know, young coaches today have been playing seven on seven their whole lives, and they never really played in that type of physical type of football that they, that is now that what we talk about uh, pounding people and. Uh, so they'll they'll they don't understand sometimes the physical part of how you beat up a defense and the defense just gets worn out and gets hurt and they're tired. They want to throw the white flag out there and say, "Man, we, we can't take it anymore. I'm tired of tackling these guys." But you can, you know, that's me. That's the way that I believed. And hey, you know, we're going to play on your side of the football and. You know, and we own this land. Don't try to take it from us because we're going to earn it every back, uh, even if it's inch by inch. Well, you might win uh, one of the battles, but we're going to win the war. And uh, then again, off of that, you're protecting Caleb Williams. You've got great receivers. The receivers block well at USC. I give them credit for that. I think they do an excellent job. They do share the love, the receivers, and it's awesome that they can do that. But you can't continually slow the game down to make sure you're, the play is getting in and you're getting the right amount of players in, the right setup, so on. you got to be able to go, man, and keep the same running back in there and let him just wear him down and pound him. And Caleb's a, is, a, is a you better take advantage of this guy because he's a great player uh, and you want to protect him. And uh, you you don't want anything to happen to him. And, yeah, it'd be nice if he could win the Heisman Trophy again. But what are you trying to do, win the Heisman Trophy or win a national championship? I think that if you gave him the uh, the national championship, I think he'd be happy with that. So you want to protect him. You want to pound the opponent. You want to build confidence in yourself. Because remember, when you're on the field and you're moving the ball down the field, your defense has a chance to rest 
when you score in two plays, three plays when you get in there, your defense goes back on the field again. And not that it isn't great that you can score that fast. I think it's awesome. But uh, you need to pound the ball. You need to set it up. Because, you know, everybody's not going to be like Arizona State or Nevada or San Jose State. When you get in those games that we talked about earlier, I mean, this is going to be, man, you bring your lunch, I bring my lunch. This is going to be an all-day fight. So, uh, you know, I think that's the best way to answer it. And I think you're, you're right on when you say take what people give you, make them stop it, and then they'll be able to give you something else to do. We had a couple questions from Chase in Arizona. Uh, for his first one, he says, I feel the defense plays much better with Rajon Davis and Shane Lee rather than Mason Cobb and Taka Curtis. Do you agree? I do agree. I do agree uh, to the point uh, that uh, I think they're a little bit more older and experienced. And I think they know the defense a little bit better. And uh, why would he be a captain? Uh, I don't know what Cobb's a captain, too. But, you know, uh, uh, I haven't really seen Davis or Cobb do anything. Sorry, I know they play a lot of plays, but I want to see some playmakers. I want to see some hits, some smacks, some uh, decleaters. You know what a decleater is they used to talk about? You knock the cleats off of somebody. Or the shoes fly up in the air, or back saying, "I don't want to run there again." I mean, uh, you know, I don't want to see that. I mean, I want—I don't know who the best linebackers are. I don't coach them, but I know those guys that uh, are in the right place at the right time and lead the team uh, and do the things that are necessary to to put the unit together and get the people lined up. I used to want to have uh, players in the game to make sure we're in the right alignments on defense. I mean, I'm not sure, and I don't watch the films and know what their assignments are, but to me, it looks like half the time they're confused. Over here, over here, though, come on over this side, go over on that side. I mean, I mean, it's hard to do that and then not break down. So, uh, you know, that's just what I see is what you see. I'm not at practice because we can't go to practice, but I respect that. And, uh, uh, so, you know, that's what you coach for. You've got to recognize the things we're talking about, and maybe we don't know t- what we're talking about. But at least they're there and know what they're supposed to be talking about or looking for that they want performed on the field. All right, Coach. We uh, His second part was, um, how does Mario Williams find the field after uh, consistently consistently killing drives by dropping easy passes? This happened last year, too, and it seems to only get worse. That's Chase from Arizona. Well, rather than make the catch, you're trying to make the big play. First thing you got to do is make the catch, okay? If you don't make the catch, you're not going to make the big play. So sometimes these receivers are not thinking about just let me make the catch. If it's first down, I've crossed the markers. I know what I'm supposed to do. They're starting to run a little bit before they catch the ball. They're trying to look to see where I'm going to go because they – if I don't score a touchdown, it's not successful. It's not a successful play. Well, that's not true. If you catch a football, it's a successful play if you're at the right place on the field on what the down-distance situation is, because you move the chains. And the main thing on an offensive football team is you move the chains. So I think that uh, – and some of the passes, uh, some of his passes haven't been 
right on. I mean, uh, they, he's done well. He does well. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to say he's not as sharp as he was last year, but I think he's put a lot more pressure on himself, okay? A lot more pressure on himself to perform and live up to what people are expecting of him. And I think that's very frustrating for him when they do drop the football or he doesn't get the stats or and he's trying to make big plays himself by running around and doing the things and it just makes it harder on the offense and harder on him. So you've got to be able to take care of the first thing first, which is catch the football and then make the play. All right. Uh, we got a couple more and we'll let you go. Um, Sergeant Strong says, well, boys, that was the most uninspiring game I've seen this season so far. The players came out slow and sloppy from the start. Uh, and our defense looked like it was coached by Joe Biden. Uh, just horrible tackling and coverage. Uh, is it official? It's official. I'm not a fan of Alex Grinch, his defensive schemes. Um, the US, does USC need to change its defensive philosophy? I want to say that maybe the team was looking ahead to Colorado, but this Arizona State's team was on um, was on their reserves, and USC couldn't dominate the game from start to finish. With our defense the way it is, I think USC getting three losses this season is easy. Thanks for the work you guys put in this channel and the shows you do for us disgruntled USC fans, Sergeant Strong. Well, Sergeant Strong, uh, uh, you know what uh, advancing and retreating is. And I think right now the pressure that's on the defensive staff is now starting to tell. I, I really do see it on them coaching on the sideline. Uh, not that I see them the entire game of watch for that. But I think that they are now starting to feel what we and everyone's talking about. I think that even Lincoln Riley is starting to feel that as far as their performance on the defensive side of the football. Because if you remember last spring, he said he was going to be more involved in the defensive side of the football and making sure that it comes along and I'm going to spend more time over there and we're going to get it done. Now, I don't know if everybody remembers that, but I, he may remember that. So he's partly responsible for the improvement on the defensive side side of the football also. And, and really, you haven't seen a whole lot of improvement. Uh, I'm sure that they have, I think they have better talent than they did a year ago on the defensive side of the football is just getting the players to play better and getting them in the correct schemes and letting them play defense and not make mistakes. And uh, I think that uh, the entire pressure of what they read about and what they hear and they hear us talk about it. And these kids and coaches listening to this stuff we're talking about, don't think they don't. And I'm sure that even coaches and people at USC listen to it, to what we're saying and, you know, and all of that. They want to get the feel of what people are thinking. But I think that pressure now is now finally starting to get to the defensive side of the football. And not only are they thinking about winning football games and starting people, uh, stopping people, they're thinking about the security of their jobs. And Lincoln Riley thinking the same thing, not that they're going to replace Lincoln Riley, but am I going to have to make a move on the defensive side of the football? Because I'm the one that also said I'm going to be working on the defensive side of the football more. Now, is he or isn't he? I don't know. 
But he did make that statement, so we'll just have to wait and see. But I think the pressure on the defensive side of the football is starting to show. Yeah, I agree with you. And well, one last one, our buddy Dan, class of 62. Did USC secretly bring back Clay Helton to coach the Arizona State game? The mistakes, play calling, penalties, especially on defense, and general lack of execution indicates poor tackling and inept linebacker play brought back scary memories of the Helton years. This inept game came after two weeks of practice. Either Stanford is absolutely the worst team in the FBS or USC is just very overrated. As a coach, I, I would push back on that, by the way. just You can't watch one game and make all the declarations of the entire season from 60 minutes of football, but that's just me. He says, as a coach, how would you use a bye week for the next game practice, or is it just more conditioning? Well, you know, it depends where you are now, how well you're playing and what your injury factor is and so on. But uh, by way, I don't like bye weeks. I told you that. I've said that all along. I don't like them, especially when you're moving along and you're trying to get better and so on. But kids take the week off. You try to take it serious. You try to, you know, but they're going to want – Friday and Saturday and Sunday off and all of that because it's a bye week and so on. And and if you don't give them all that time off, it's all my, it's all football. The poor kids don't have time to study and everything else. But I think you got to treat it like almost a game week. you got to go through the days where you have some physical activities and you keep your timing up. And, you know, maybe the defense was, didn't you know, it was, 15 days, 20 days till they, since they hit a mid, uh, moving target. And uh, and they, they just lost their edge. And uh, they weren't ready to play because of that. Their concentration, the physical part of what's necessary to play the game of football. I'd have probably scrimmaged Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, maybe, you know, no hitting, no tackling, but I'd have gone full speed on all phases of the game uh, to maintain our our conditioning and also to maintain, you know, playing in a football game and lifting weights is two different types of conditioning. I mean, running sprints and playing in a football game, that's a whole different type of conditioning. So uh, I would have maintained the conditioning, uh, kept the strength up to get the soreness out of your body and maintain the muscle tone in your bodies and repair the bruises that you have in your body, but continue playing the game of football. You always hear me say, the only way you learn how to play football is to play football, okay? You got to play football to learn how to play football. And then uh, probably on Friday, uh, I don't know if I'd let them go, depending how it is. You know, it's always a you're damned if you do, if you're damned if you don't, because kids will want to travel home, go back to their high school game, lose their focus on what we're doing. I'd have probably had them come back. I know sometimes they used to have have watch parties on Saturdays in a bye week where we sit down with your position coaches and you watch all your other teams play so you know what your opponents look like and what people are talking about. I don't know if they do that or they want to do that. Uh, but uh, in the old days, we did a lot of that stuff. All right, Coach. Well, great stuff. Uh, always looking forward to uh, to getting to chat with you after these uh, football games. Um, USC going on the road for Colorado this weekend, so that should be an interesting one. Colorado's going to be licking their wounds coming back from uh, Eugene. Didn't go very well there. But, uh, yeah, great stuff, Coach. Thanks again for coming on in. Ray, Ryan, can I say one thing? Of course. I, I want to remind everybody that uh, we're starting our Passing the Quarterback Club. And if you live in Southern California, 
Yeah, it's a great club. We're going to have three meetings this year. The first one's going to be this Friday, this Friday, in Pasadena, passing the quarterback club, obviously, at the Elk Club on the corner of Orange Grove in Colorado. Our speaker is going to be Anthony Davis. I'm going to more or less interview him on the stage. We'll talk about uh, college football, his career, both on the diamond and uh, as a football player. We'll be having the Pasadena City College coach uh, talking about community colleges, which are something that people never hear about anymore. I'm very disappointed in that. And the high school coach will be the head coach from St. Francis High School. So if you're a football fan, 11.30 we start eating, 12 o'clock the program starts, and I promise you we'll get you out of there by 11.15, 11.30, okay? So passing a quarterback club, uh, uh, 400 West Colorado Street in Pasadena. Ryan, if you're ever around, please come. Would love to. Thanks, Coach. Been up there before. It's always a great time. But, Coach, thank you so much. Hope you guys all enjoyed the show. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 